What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You never miss any of my content if you're following over there, whether it be these pods, Twitter threads, articles. Everything is shared out or posted directly to Twitter. So go ahead and check us out over there. Before we really get kicked off today, I do want to mention that we are bringing people on here at Sports Ethos. Baseball, football, basketball, whatever it is that you do or you're interested in, we probably have an opening, whether it be writing or podcasting. So please reach out to either myself, at JoeOrico99, or at Dan Bespris, more so for ba- or for basketball and for football there. If it's baseball, I'd like to hear from you, whether it be, you know, you want to cover a team, you want to do some blurb writing and just, you know, be like a breaking news kind of feed on Twitter, which is something we want to have for next season. Uh, we already do it on the basketball side, but we're trying to expand out into the baseball side as well. So reach out to myself. Hopefully we can do some business here going forward. Today, what we're going to be doing is looking back on yesterday's top players. We'll look through the waiver wire, see who is being added and who's being dropped. We'll talk about some two-star pitchers for the week because, of course, it is Monday. And we'll also look at one or two pitching matchups for today. There's not so many. I think there's nine games in total, but we will go through them, see uh, what kind of value there is and what kind of enjoyability we can expect from watching these games. Especially playoff season for some of you guys. Uh, Playoffs start today in some formats. I personally don't get going until next week in most of mine. Uh, next week and even the week after in a few leagues. But very exciting. We are officially at crunch time of the season. Roster moves become different. You start to view players differently. A couple days slump for a must-roster player might just mean get in the axe. Uh, things change very rapidly here. Need to try and find as much value as you can on the waiver wire. I'm assuming pretty much every trade deadline is passed. Some leagues don't have trade deadlines, and you can trade up until the second last day of the season if you wish. But for, I think, most of you, uh, your value is going to be coming through the waiver wire at this point. So we will go through some of the more added and drop players uh, in a few minutes, and we will see what kind of value we can we can eke out there on the wire. But let's start off with yesterday's top performers. Alec Bohm, I think, had the craziest day yesterday. A couple of three-run jacks, uh, three for five. He also had a single. That was a great day for Alec Bohm. It hasn't been so great home run-wise for him. He's only got 10 on the season, but he's pretty much producing uh, – other than home runs and steals, he's been really a solid contributor. 288 batting average, 60 runs, and a 50 and 56 RBIs. Now the 10 home runs isn't terrible. It's certainly not like ideal. But when he's given you everything else that he has, uh, for me, Alec Bohm is a must roster player going forward. Here, he's only 60% rostered on Yahoo. Most competitive leagues, he's scooped up. I actually added him in a couple of places overnight. Very happy that I was still able to get him. He's someone who is going to be one of the more valuable, widely available third basemen that you're going to be able to find at this point on the wire. I don't see an excuse for it. Any, any league with 10 or more teams uh, should have him available in their league. Even if it's not your team in that league, uh, he should be on every, pretty much every single roster at this point. That's 60%. I imagine we get closer to 70 75% by season's end. He's been fantastic. He's improved throughout the year. Over the last month, he's batting almost 320. His defense has even gotten better. If those of you guys are in fielding percentage or assist leagues, uh, he's gotten better there as well. So all told, Alec Bohm, a top three or five ad for me in all of fantasy at the moment. Let's talk about Jake Fraley. He got on base five times yesterday, a single, a home run, three walks. He scored four times. He knocked in three runs, and he also stole a base. 
Now, the thing for me with Jake Fraley is that I just don't expect this to last. This is a nice little stretch that he's been on for sure, but he's just not that. He is not this kind of guy uh, that we've seen so far in his career, which has been, I believe, 130-ish games, 130-some-odd games. He's batting 210. Like, he's just not somebody that you can really rely on for that consistent batting average that we've seen from him over these last couple of weeks. So his last 56 at-bats, he has 20 hits and six home runs. I just don't see him as being able to do that for you consistently. It could literally start today or tomorrow where he just goes on a fat over streak. And I, I just feel that there is a lot lower floor with him than there are with a lot of other players for me. Uh, if you added him in last week or so, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you probably didn't, but if you did, uh, you were very lucky there. A lot of people are going to be adding him in now, kind of hoping to chase that production for these last couple of weeks. I'd be trying to go for the next hot thing as opposed to somebody that's kind of been hot now for a couple of weeks and is due to fall off pretty much any day. So for me, I'm leaving Fraley alone outside of the deepest of leagues at this point. Let's talk about Mark Canna. I've loved Mark Canna. He's done a really great job for a few of my teams this year. He was three for five yesterday with a couple of home runs and five RBIs for the season. 53 runs, 47 RBIs. 10 homers and a 275 batting average. Pretty similar to what we've seen out of Alec Bohm there. The stat lines are eerily similar, actually. I think Canna should be rostered in a lot more leagues than he is. He's in a great lineup. He's typically 6th or 7th, but there's a lot of great power and talent ahead of him. Run and RBI opportunities are there. He hits for a high batting average. At this point of the season, that high floor, that consistency, is something that you really need to strive for. Not so much your streaky guys who... Might be able to have a couple of good games and then shit for a week. Like You just need guys like Mark Canna who are able to produce pretty consistently, get you hits most nights. You know, Most nights it's either a run or an RBI from him. I would, I would take Mark Canna over a lot of different guys here, even in three outfielder formats. I think that he can have a ton of value going forward. Let's talk Justin Steele. Uh, I've been on the Justin Steele train now for a good few weeks anyway. And when you look back at what he's done these last couple of months, and specifically this last month, he's been unreal. 26 and a third innings over the last 30 days, 39 strikeouts, and a .69 ERA. I've gone on and on about him on Twitter. If you guys follow me over there, you've seen me chat him up. I think three times in the last week I've, I've talked about him. And he's only, I think, 34. Let me just double check here. When I checked this morning, it was 34%. Um, 34% rostered on Yahoo. It's not going to stay that way for very long. If you guys are still able to go and add him, he is a high, high-priority ad. I talked about some other high-priority pitching ads in my article yesterday. Steele is right up there amongst the top guys. So I'm all in. If you guys still can get him, I would be all for it. Evan Longoria, we'll talk about him for a second. I'm not such a big fan anymore. I, at one point, I was a huge fan when he was in the, with the Rays. I used to vacation in Florida every year. We'd go to Rays games. I was a huge Longoria fan, and there was a while where he was one of the best third basemen in all of fantasy. At this point, he's still doing all right on a per-game basis. Just He's not really healthy enough for me to have a lot of faith in an ad there. Recently, he's been playing a lot. I just don't know that we can trust him as, a, as an ad here uh, down the stretch to stay healthy. He's only 4% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Very deep league ad at the moment. Now, if you can't get anybody better, I suppose he would do. I mean, if he's going to be healthy, when he's in the lineup, he produces. He produces, I mean, this season, 178 at-bats, 11 home runs, 26 RBIs. That's fine. A 260 batting average. You'll take it. I just would try and go for someone with a little bit more upside at this point and someone who, 
not such an injury risk anyway. Keston Hura is another guy who had a great game yesterday. A couple of home runs. I'm not really there for Keston Hura. Last season, he really burned me. Like, really burned me. He had four home runs and three steals and 173 at-bats and a 168 batting average. This year, he's been up and down like he was last year, although he's been better this season. Undoubtedly better. Uh, less at-bats this season with more runs, homers, RBIs, steals, and a better average. I'm just not there. Again, I'm not there with Hura at this time of the season. If this was a couple months ago, then maybe I would have taken a flyer on him. Uh, why not? You know, First and second base eligibility. Got some power pop. We saw it in the 2020 season that he can hit some home runs. I'm just not there for him at this point. You need all hands on deck. He's someone who is really just so inconsistent. You never know what the Brewers are going to do with him as well. He might sit for a week. He might get sent down. Who knows? Who knows with Kesson Hura what's going to happen? So for me, I'm just going to be leaving him alone there on the waiver wire. Let's talk about Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, again, with double-digit strikeouts. For the season, 135 innings and 164 Ks. He's got the ERA below four. No fantasy moves to be made here. I just want to point out again like how crazy it is that Morton was able to do this. Looking back at his first like five or six starts of the year, and he was brutal. Like he was someone who was like a pretty like a consensus drop, honestly, for a lot of people in early May. <clears throat> Maybe not for the more competitive and deeper leagues, but there was a lot of guys in 10 and 12 team leagues at that point who said the hell with Charlie Morton. He's cooked. And I was one of those guys. I don't have any shares, so it didn't hurt me this season. But I was like, this is, he's not striking guys out. He's not going deep in games. It's always four earned runs and four strikeouts. Um, And usually at that point of the season, it was like four walks. So he was really not doing anything for you. And I think it really started to turn around for him in the middle of May. And since then, he's been one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. There's still been a couple of blowups, a couple of five and four and run games, but the strikeouts have been so elite for him this season. I've really changed my tune on him as a whole. And even thinking about next year, if he does play, uh, I think I'll be in on Charlie Morton once again. Uh, Not that I'd use like a very high draft pick on him, but I think that he can still give you something similar to what we've seen uh, down the stretch this season again. Let's talk a little bit about Sean Manaya, who was wearing on people's patience for quite a while, and he was actually dropped in a lot of leagues. He went from being over 90% rostered in Yahoo to now it's 78% rostered. Yesterday, granted, a poor opponent in the Nationals. He went seven innings, got the victory, struck out only four, which is a little bit of a concern for Sean Manaya. But at the same time, this kind of upside on the waiver wire is not really something I want to let go. Um, Sean Manaya's next start will be against the Royals, and that's another great matchup. He's a sneaky ad here because most people aren't even going to look for him on the wire. They're going to assume he's rostered. In your leagues. Now, this is another side note. Especially on Yahoo, you got to keep notifications on for drops. If you're in a league where waivers are not used, or even if they are used, you want to be knowing right away when someone is dropped and just being able to keep track of who's on the waiver wire. There was one or two leagues where I didn't have that setting on. Sean Manaya was dropped and picked up by somebody else before I could make the move on it. Not something I'm going to do again. Most of them uh, I do have notifications on. There was one or two that I'd specifically turn them off in because there was just a lot of moves going on in those leagues. I didn't want to be bombarded with notifications, but I missed out, and you can miss out like that. It's just an easy way to get a leg up on your competition. Someone like Manaya should not be sitting on the waiver wire for me. The upside there for strikeouts, even though he hasn't been so great recently, the strikeout upside, a still solid team behind him despite their struggles, and plus that matchup coming up against the Royals. At the very least, you want to have him on your team for that Royals matchup if he's available. 
it'll be next Sunday if the schedule stays where it should. And it'll be the first playoff Sunday for head-to-head. So, granted, there is risk. There's risk in starting literally anybody. We saw what happened to Sandy Alcantara yesterday. But I think with that matchup and given his upside, I wouldn't be leaving him on the waiver wires uh, for that particular game. It, I, for me, uh, it's just he's just too valuable as a whole to do that. I know he's been struggling a little bit. I just I don't see I don't see that there's that many pitchers who are going to be going on Sunday who are going to have more upside, strikeout or otherwise, than Sean Benaya. Let's move on here to Jose Urquidy. Never been someone I've been a massive fan of, but he has produced pretty well this season, I got to say. Seven innings yesterday, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. He did get the victory. Now, I think the thing with me is I just love strikeouts so much. I love strikeout pitchers. It, it, they contribute. To, they're like the home run for for uh, pitching stats. You know, you get a strikeout, it lowers your ERA a little bit, it lowers the whip, higher chances of wins. It's like when you hit a home run, you know, you get a run, an RBI, a boost in batting average. I just love strikeouts. And Urquidy is not a massive strikeout guy, which I think is where my, I don't know, my lukewarm feelings about him come from. But at the same time, uh, 12 victories, a 3.63 ERA, a 1.13 whip. Urquidy is excellent. Now, when I was looking before, uh, this was a couple days ago, actually, with Jose Urquidy. He was still available in some leagues. Uh, 84%. He's gone up a little bit. I think that he is a pretty solid add at this point. Now, a lot of teams are looking for wins in the playoffs. Wins are something that are very hard to predict uh, throughout most of the season. And it is, it's a category, especially in the playoffs, where you're going to want to make sure you have as much, much of a chance, I guess is the best way to put it, of getting those victories. Starters for established teams. Like you'd rather have a mediocre starter on a great team in the playoffs than a great starter on a bad team in the playoffs, I think. It's pretty close. But I think I'll take that chance on the win total there over hopefully lower uh, a slight lowering of other stats versus that one win. Wins are so valuable, especially in your standard 5x5, five five, that you're going to want to be rostering players who pitch for greater teams. You could make the argument to take a guy like Arkady over a slightly superior pitcher who pitches for a worse team. So not going to be many leagues where this is applicable. 84% rostered already, but there are still going to be some cases where you can switch out a, a, maybe a decent starter who's just not getting any victories or maybe they're just an okay guy and you know you have a chance to switch him out for Akiti. The fact that he plays for the Astros is the biggest part of his value for me. So I'm going to be in on an ad of Akiti if available. And if you, if you have him already, then there's just no move, which is going to be the vast majority of you guys. But there are going to be some of you Maybe your league isn't as competitive. Maybe he's sitting there. Maybe it's a 10-team league. I'm not sure. But Urquidy needs to be rostered, as far as I can see it here. Let's talk about Max Muncy. And this is one where I was wrong. I was wrong about Max Muncy. I had dropped him everywhere about, I guess, six-ish weeks ago. And he's been great recently. And just to put it into context, you know, his 276 batting average over the last month, 308 over the last two weeks. He's still batting 190 for the season. What he's done recently is give you some home runs, which is nice. And, yeah, if he's available, then he's an ad. Uh, I, I was wrong. Like, there's no other way to go about it here other than to just say I thought he was cooked. He was not producing the entire season. He was injured. We didn't really know what we were going to get out of him, if it was anything. So I, I'm I'm not sorry that I dropped him where I did because, you know, you pick up a hot guy on the waiver wire. Maybe it was a couple months back. Maybe it was Matt Carpenter. Maybe it was whoever, a Jose Miranda 
or somebody who has just been a lot better at that general position or just in the infield or maybe maybe even just anywhere. Uh, I'm not that I'm thrilled about it, seeing the way that it has turned out here with Max Muncy, but you're willing to live with it because of how poor he was. He's been good. He's been solid recently. He's given you some home runs. And if he's available, I would I would be going and adding him where you can. But I'm not I'm not so destroyed about having dropped him earlier. It was just there was there was no reason to hold on really. You were taking so many zeros. He was actively killing you in a lot of areas. So we'll take that L, but at the same time, I don't know how much of an L it really is just because of how bad he was doing. Let's move on here, guys. We will talk about the waiver wire. We'll talk about some of the more added and dropped players today. The number one most added player today is Lars Nootbaar. I think one of the coolest names in the history of pro sports probably. Over the last month, 19 runs scored, three homers, 13 RBIs, and two steals while batting 310. Over the last week, he's been a top five player, six for 17 with two homers and six RBIs. The thing with him that I don't like, and the Cardinals have done this a few times this season and in the past, they've done it with Tommy Edmond. I think they did it back when they had Harrison Bader. He's batting either first or ninth, and I don't like that. I really would rather a guy bat either first or second if you're going to move him around like that, or like eighth or ninth. Just let me know where I stand with a particular player. If I'm adding somebody, I don't want them to be going back and forth there. At the same time, he's produced pretty much wherever he's been recently. And maybe he'll stay in the number one spot because of the way he has uh, been putting up numbers, been hitting home runs, stealing bases as well. I'm okay with adding him. I think more in a five outfielder league, if it's a deeper three outfielder league, then I'm okay with it. But standard 10, 12 teamers with only three outfield spots, I don't think he's going to cut it. I really don't. Hot streak, yes. And, you know, I've talked about this before. If you want to ride a hot streak and just drop him when he's cold again, I'm all for having that kind of spot in your lineup. I just wouldn't drop, you know, an established outfielder, like 80-plus percent rostered kind of guy um, for Lars Nootbaar. One, because of that inconsistency in the lineup. He might just bat ninth for the next week. Who knows? Like, it's really hard to predict. Probably not, but maybe he just bats ninth, and maybe he just doesn't have that much value going forward. It's hard to really say a guy like this is... I know. As much as the name, like you want to roster him just for his name alone. I just don't know that I have that much faith here um, going forward rest of the season. I think daily changes leagues might be a play where he's batting first. You put him in there. I'm just – overall, I'm, I'm not getting the warm and fuzzy rest of season kind of feeling about Newt Bar that maybe some other people have. He's gone up 13% over the last week, uh, and most of that is in these last couple of days here. I'm just thinking that there's probably going to be better options for you guys in a lot of leagues, and Newtbar isn't really going to be uh, someone that I'm too interested in. In deeper leagues, five outfielder, 15 teamers, yeah, go for it. Standard 10, 12 teamers, three outfield slots, I don't think that that's going to be a play for me. Pete Fairbanks, man, who the hell knows with the Rays? Uh, I was thinking it was going to be Jason Adam who was getting more of these saves, and now the last two of them have gone to Pete Fairbanks. I honestly can't really give you any any proper wisdom on the Rays situation. It's You just don't know what they're going to do on any given day. It's really a landmine of rostering closers there, relievers. You don't know who's going to get the chances. You might roster a guy for a week there thinking that you're going to get saves, and you might get like three innings, two strikeouts, no saves. Like it just You don't know what Kevin Cash and the rest of his staff are going to do on any given night. It makes it so hard to figure out who to roster. 
for the most part, I'm staying away from this situation. If you really desperately need one, I guess you go Fairbanks because he seems to be, I mean, he's got the last two saves here. Maybe he's the one that they're going to start going to. But then again, he's got two in a row. Maybe they go back to Adam and give Fairbanks a couple days off. I'm avoiding it unless you are absolutely desperate for saves. And then you add whoever you can there to try and, you know, get the odd one or two. At this point, probably Fairbanks. But again, I have no freaking idea. It's just the Rays are the Rays are nuts. The Rays are a bit of a – I'm not going to say they're a mess in the bullpen because they're always doing pretty well. It's just very hard to nail down what they're doing on any given uh, any given day or night in terms of their relief pitchers. Let's talk a little bit about Albert Pujols, who I've mentioned here on the show before. was my absolute favorite player growing up. The team that I played for when I was younger for close to 10 years was called the Cardinals. I wore number five. I was a pitcher mostly, but I also did play some first base. I grew up idolizing him, and it felt very cool to wear that same jersey with the same number that he did. All that aside, all the nostalgia away, Albert Pujols has been literally on fire for the last month or so. He's 22 for his last 49, 15 for his last 27, and 8 for his last 13. Seven home runs and 49 at-bats. I'm praying that he gets the 700. I feel like it's very unlikely, but who the hell knows? We've seen a lot of stranger things happen. I think he's six away, Is he, or... No, he's eight away still. He's still eight away. He's at 692. Ah, man. I'm hoping he gets there. I'm hoping if he doesn't get there that we see him play a little bit next season. Probably won't go through the whole <clears throat> the rigors of the preseason and spring training and all that just to, you know, 30 at-bats trying to get one or two home runs. I don't think it's likely. I think that this is probably going to be going to be it for him. So I'm hoping that he keeps this up. In terms of a move, I added him in a couple of points leagues. I added him in a couple of deeper daily change points leagues where – Left-handed pitchers, he'll get the start. Sure, throw him in there. Why not? Right now, he's got that little bit of extra motivation. He's hot as hell, and I love him to begin with. So I, I on every front, I'm pretty in on an Albert Pujols uh, ad right now. If you're in a weekly changes league, I don't know that I'd really recommend it. He might end up playing only three times in a given week, and he might go over 12. You don't know. Uh, but in a daily change league, he's facing lefties. I'm starting him there 100% right now. 19% rostered, Albert Pujols in the year 2022. Matt, you guys should see, I should really just like record myself and just, I got this massive smile on my mug. He's awesome. I, I've, I'm always a big Pujols stan. And right now it's pretty hard not to be, especially when you look at the historical context and just, you know, he's got maybe 30 some odd games left. Let's see him get to that 700 home run mark. I just, yeah, I'm just glowing here about Albert Pujols. Let's keep it going. Edward Cabrera, he's only 56% rostered still on Yahoo. He gets Oakland tonight. He is a fantastic ad, like absolutely a top-tier ad for today if you can still get him. 36 strikeouts and 30 innings, a 178 ERA and a 105 whip. Over his last three starts, which is 14 and two-thirds, no word runs, 21 strikeouts. It's a no-brainer ad for me. Uh, absolutely, I'd be going and getting Edward Cabrera. Those are most of the ads here. Those are the big ones. Alexis Diaz has also been added. He had another perfect inning yesterday. I'm absolutely adding him. I talked about him in my article. He should be the number one guy for saves in Cincinnati. It shouldn't probably be that many saves, but massive strikeouts, great ratios uh, with the opportunity for some saves. I'd absolutely go ahead and add him. Now, let's go talk about some of the drops here. Jose Quintana had a bit of a rough day. 
four runs, only two of them earned in two and two thirds against the Diamondbacks yesterday. Didn't kill you from a fantasy point of view because only a couple of them were earned there. He only threw two and two thirds. I'm personally still holding Jose Quintana here. Pitching for a good team as we enter the playoffs. That's important. Even for Roto, it doesn't really matter if it's playoffs or not or if it's you know called playoffs. It's essentially still Roto playoffs. This is where, you know, you're going. And I know it sounds stupid to say it. Even as I said it, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? But this is when you fight for your titles. It's essentially playoffs. And a guy like Quintana who can still get you wins, not great strikeouts, but okay strikeouts. He's been giving you really good ratios. Uh, I wouldn't be rushing to drop him, especially today on a low-volume day. You're not probably not rushing to add a streamer in. Maybe you were if it's your playoffs. There's a couple of two-start guys you wanted to add. Maybe. I don't think he's must-roster per se. I would just personally be holding on here uh, a little bit longer. Rowan Wick, he has also been dropped a couple of games in a row where he's given up an earned run. It was actually three of his last four where he's blown it. I'm not ready to drop him yet. I still think he's probably going to be uh, the closer here. Just reading uh, the Yahoo write-up this morning. Uh, let me go back to it quickly, but I don't think that there is anything that they're saying that's like someone else has been name the closer or anything like that. Uh, Brandon Hughes, I don't think that he's really going to be able to uh, step into the role there. He also gave up a run yesterday. I'm still holding on to Wick. Maybe if, you know... You got an Alexis Diaz or a Felix Batista. You, you don't really need him. Maybe he's expendable. I'm, for most of the part, most of the time here, I'm still going to be holding on. I just You need saves this time of year. Most teams need saves. Maybe Josh Hader's on your team. I have a lot of Josh Hader shares. So I have Wick in a couple of leagues. I'm not going to be dropping him just because I can't afford to. If you can't afford to, sure, he's not the greatest closer. He might be one of the weaker closers in baseball, but a closer nonetheless. Let's talk Nick Pavetta here. He struck out nine, allowing, I believe, two runs yesterday in five and two-thirds. Good outing from Nick Pavetta. We went you'd hope for against the Orioles. Now, the Orioles have been doing very well recently. They're like 38 and 12 in the last 50, but they're still playing out of their minds. This is not really a true, a true picture, I don't think, of who the Orioles are. And we saw Nick Pavetta yesterday do what he was supposed to do. I see him as more of an advantageous streamer here down the stretch, not so much as a must-roster player. The Red Sox are not that great. They're really not. He has not been that great either, although he was for a while. It's very easy to forget about how good he was there earlier in the year. When you look at his season numbers, 424 ERA, 1-2-9 whip, you'd think, yeah, okay, it's a pretty mediocre season. There was a good while where Nick Pavetta was an absolute must-roster player. He got up to like 80% rostered. Now I see him as more of a streamer on, the, on those good matchups. Uh, you want to bring him into your lineup, no problem. But I don't think that he is necessary in every league. Brett Beatty, people are so quick to get sick of someone already in fantasy. Brett Beatty has been dropped today by almost 2,000 leagues. I'd have a little bit more patience there. Obviously, he's only 3 for 22, but he's got legit power. The exit velos are really nice. He homered in his first at bat. And he's going to get regular playing time in a strong lineup. So for me, I'm still holding on to Brett Beatty, especially if you picked him up and dropped him. Like if you picked him up, it was last week. You're already dropping him. It's like that's that's a huge waste of a move here when we're down to the point of the season where you probably have maybe 20, 25-ish moves left if you have a if you have a cap on moves per week. Usually it's four, five, sometimes maybe six. We're looking about six weeks left. You probably have 25, maybe 30 ads left. Every one of them has got to be giving you value. If you're adding a guy like Beatty just for having him in your lineup for four days and then dropping him, you just throw in your ads in the fire at that point. Hold out a little bit longer. 
if it's another few days of this, maybe you switch him over because you do need hot bats in the playoffs, but there's also a guy like, you know, Beatty could easily hit 10 home runs here down the stretch with his power. So I'm not dropping him yet. I think it's a little early to be dropping a guy who's literally just now um, been called up over the last few days. I think we're, we react too quickly in the fantasy community sometimes, and that's definitely an example there. So Anthony Dominguez, he's gone on the 15-day IL. He's got some tricep soreness. Not good whatsoever. He's been dropped in a lot of leagues, and I think that that's pretty fair. If you don't have an IL space, absolutely. Now, if you do have an IL spot, I'm always in favor, for the most part, of sticking the guy in the IL slot, even if it's you know pretty close to guaranteed they're not going to have much value. I've had Jazz Chisholm in an IL spot up until today, and now with the news that he hasn't even started playing baseball again, I'll probably drop him, but I don't need to drop him today because... I don't need to put somebody else in the IL. So when I do need to drop somebody, he will be dropped. And that I think that's kind of what you do with Sir Anthony Dominguez. If you have an IL spot, you stick him in there. If he's not back, once the IL time is done, then you drop him or you keep holding him. Whatever the case may be, I don't think you need to drop him if you have free IL slots. I'm always in favor of holding out and just hoping maybe that there's some change. If you drop him right away, Maybe he comes back and he is the closer again. You're pretty screwed. Um, as of right now, I think David Robertson is going to be the guy to add there. I think he's mostly rostered already. He's kind of gone up and down. Um, right after the deadline, he was dropped a little bit. and then Well, at first, I think he was picked up a little bit, actually, and then dropped, and then it's kind of gone uh, all over the place with him. Robertson is 77% rostered. Probably not going to be a lot of leagues, but he should be the fill-in there for Dominguez if you need some saves. Uh, I would go with Robertson if you can still get him. If not, uh, I think Alexis Diaz would be your probably your best bet at this point uh, for saves. I want to talk about some two-star pitchers now. I'm going to go using Marty Tallman's article here from Fantrax. Marty's a friend, and we're going to be talking about, um, well, just going through his list because he's already got it all planned out here in a table. I don't have to do any separate research and see, you know, is this going to be... Is this going to be happening? Because two starts, two starts are a headache to go through and figure out who is lined up for two starts. Um, you can go to different websites and see their publications, CBS, Fantrax, whoever else does it. I'm not even sure. But I'm going to be using Marty's table here because it just keeps it all organized for us. He has them separated out into must start, should start, risky business, and must sit. And I'm just going to talk about a couple of those guys that I think are, well, mostly where I disagree with Marty. For the most part, I do agree with him here, but there are a couple guys uh, I think that I'm going to be uh, starting where he wouldn't, not starting where he would kind of thing. Um, so the first one that I'm really interested in that's not going to be, you know, the most popular ad uh, is Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi has a two-start week with the first start coming tonight against Pittsburgh and then later in the week at St. Louis. That Pittsburgh one right there, that for me, uh, that's absolute must-start. You add him for the Pittsburgh one there. Pittsburgh is a terrible offense. Odorizzi has been, I mean, I don't know how you want to classify it, but he's been serviceable. He's been totally fine, a 4.15 ERA. Not great strikeouts, but overall, uh, not a bad pitcher. When you're facing a team like Pittsburgh here and then you get the second start of the week against St. Louis, for me here, uh, I'm going to be using an ad on him. And now you might be thinking, why is he mentioning Jake Odorizzi first? Well, there's just really not that many guys that I really disagree with Marty on. And also, I just don't think there's that many guys really in general that are going to be added for this week. Now, in his must-start thing, it's Scherzer, Ray, Wainwright, and Cease. 
You're not finding those guys available in any league. Not really worth talking about for me. Michael Kopech, and this is his should start. Michael Kopech, Ranger Suarez, Sonny Gray, Edward Cabrera, Eric Lauer, Noah Syndergaard, and Jeffrey Springs. I agree with every single pick that he has in that section, but none of those guys are going to be available really anywhere. So not worth spending so much time on. That's when we get to the risky business area here, and that's where I start to differentiate a little bit. He also has Nick Lodolo listed as a risky one. Another one, I mean, I'm not quite as big on this one as I am as Jake Odorizzi, but Lodolo is starting first at Philadelphia and then at Washington. Personally, I mean, the way he's improved this season, I'm going to take a chance on him at Philly in a lot of cases, especially if you're not in your playoffs yet. I think Lodolo is a decent guy to just speculatively add because of how good he has been recently. But when you factor in the two starts, one of them at Washington, I think Lodolo is a really attractive play this week, as well as Jake Odorizzi. We keep going on here. And another one that he has labeled as risky, I kind of disagree here again. I think Ross Stripling is someone that you should be starting uh, at Boston and versus L.A. He's handled the American League East very well, Ross Stripling. He's handled pretty much everybody well this season. Boston has been a – I mean, their offense isn't bad, but as a whole, they have really not been great. You should be able to get four or five solid innings out of Stripling there with some strikeouts and the chance for a victory later in the week. At home against the Angels, the Angels' offense is terrible. The Angels have been brutal for a good while. So I'm all in on an, on an ad of Ross Stripling there as well. Those are the main ones here uh, from his list and from you know the general pool that I'm going to be talking about. There's no one here on his uh, must-sit list that I'm going to argue with. All of these guys are going to be sits. Voth, Reagans, Davidson, Zach Logue, TJ Zoic. A lot of you guys probably don't even know half those names I just said, and that's totally cool because they are absolute sits. You don't need to worry about them anyway. But Lodolo, Odorizzi, and Ross Stripling are going to be the guys that have two starts this week that are pretty damn widely available that I think make the most sense to be adding, regardless of if it's the playoffs or not. But, I mean, especially if you're just on the outskirts of the playoffs here, you're trying to maybe move up a spot in the rankings, and it's risky a little bit, but it's not at the same time. Like, worst case, they don't do well. You're still going to the playoffs. Best case, you get a couple starts, you move up some rankings, maybe you get a bye next week. Uh, there's a lot of different positives that can come out of these two start pitchers, especially, like I said, if you're not in the playoffs. If you're in the playoffs right now and this is your playoff matchup, it might be risky to two start really any of these fringe guys because, yes, you get two starts, but that might be double the opportunity to get screwed over in your ERA and whip. I talked about it yesterday in my article a little bit that there might be a couple of relievers you guys want to just have on your roster, like Andres Munoz, who can just give you really good ratios with high strikeouts and you don't have to worry so much about the matchups. That, for me, is a good playoff strat. I think you should have one streaming spot, but I think you should also have a spot where you just have a reliever, not necessarily a closer, but just somebody to help you out with your ratios, give you some extra strikeouts, maybe get you the odd win and the odd save. Andres Munoz for the Seattle Mariners is about as good of an option there, and I might just take him over any of these fringy guys because I like them. I think they're, they're all viable options, but don't get me wrong. They're all fringy guys here. They all have one good start and one slightly more risky start. Lodolo at Washington, absolutely. Odorizzi at Pittsburgh, absolutely. Ross Stripling against the Angels, absolutely. It's the other starts there where you get a little bit more risky. And I mean, with uh, Lodolo and Odorizzi, uh, excuse me, with Odorizzi and Stripling, you can add them for that first start, which is the easier start of the two. And especially if you're in a daily changes league and see how they do. If they do well, then maybe you give them another chance. If they do poorly, then maybe they get dropped and you add in somebody else who has a better matchup later in the week. 
there's not only one right way to do this. There are a lot of different ways to be successful in the playoffs, in fantasy in general. And I think that's something that maybe I should have drilled in more throughout the season. And I'm still learning, right? This is my first year giving advice on this. But I think next year what I want to do, you can't really foresee this before the season starts. But once the year gets going, you see who is in these setup roles, these high leverage guys with a lot of strikeouts. I think I'm going to be rostering a lot more of them as mainstays next season just because there's not as much risk. There's really not. They do get blown up the odd time, and when a reliever gets blown up, it's usually three or four runs in one inning, maybe maybe two. But it isn't. you don't have those long outings to really buffer you there in terms of, yeah, he gave up three, but he pitched six innings. Usually with a reliever, you give up three, you're pitching one inning, maybe less. So there is that risk. But as a whole, and I mentioned this in the article yesterday, on any given week, a guy like Munoz is going to give you about 10 strikeouts, maybe one win, maybe one save, and likely not allow any earned runs. Maybe he allows one, maybe two, but for the most part, most of those weeks, they're not going to give up anything. I think that there's an argument to be made that those guys are just as valuable, if not more valuable, than these fringy two-star streamers. Would you rather have Ross Stripling or would you rather have Andres Munoz? I think it's a coin flip. I really do. The strikeouts are going to be pretty similar, in all honesty. Munoz, in three innings, can give you, maybe four innings, can give you the same strikeouts that Stripling would give you in ten innings. You're going to have more of a chance to get victories with Stripling. So, again, it's kind of weighing the balance of, A, what do I need? Uh, My team has a bunch of great pitchers for great teams. Win shouldn't be a problem. Great. Then maybe you don't need to worry about streaming in, and you focus in on your ratios and your strikeouts. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you have three closers already who all give you high strikeout numbers and you really just have been lacking in the win category all season. Then maybe you want to take a chance on some of these two-star pitchers. It's all up to you. I'm just here to try and throw out as many ideas as possible that make sense to me. Maybe you guys like some of them. Maybe you don't. That's okay either way. Uh, These are typically what I'm saying a strategy out loud. It's something that I employ myself. It's not just, you know, lip service bullshit. If I'm saying this is something that I recommend, it's something that I do myself. So if you follow these strategies, we are in it together. But that is definitely something that I have done. I have added specifically Munoz in a few leagues recently because I think, A, if something does happen to Paul Sewold as well, um, this isn't even A, actually. It's just another side point. But if something does happen to Paul Sewold, then he will be the closer there to go along with all the other good stuff we've talked about, strikeouts, no earned runs kind of stuff. I'm all in on those kind of pitchers. There's not so many of them that are so widely available. Joan Duran was this um, earlier in the season. I've kind of moved on from him at this point. But that's the general idea. Those fireballing relievers are not as big of a risk as you know streaming in a guy hoping for one good start at a two. And most of the time, you look at the stats at the end of the week, the reliever is probably going to have done a bit better. So just something to chew on here as we enter into playoff season. I love those high leverage relievers. But thank you to Marty for this. He did a great job, as always, with his uh, with his two-start piece here. He does it every single week for fan tracks. Let's now look at some matchups for today. I said it off the top. There's really not so much to write home about. But I think if we're going to pick one, it's probably going to be Eric Lauer and Julio Urias. Now, the Dodgers, I don't know if, how much you guys keep up with the standings. The Dodgers are 84 and 36. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, we're about to be in the last month of the season, and they've lost 36 times. 
I know that there are other teams who have similar kind of records. We've seen it with the Yankees, 74 and 48. The Astros, 78 and 45. But the Dodgers are just so far above and beyond everybody else. It's just, it's just not even fair, really. <clears throat> you almost have to kind of hope that they lose like a Trey Turner in the offseason just to restore the balance a little bit. Then again, they probably won't win the World Series because it's very rare that the best team in baseball ends up winning the World Series. It just doesn't usually happen like that. There are a lot of variables. Same thing with hockey. You know, the best team in the NHL throughout the regular season does not typically win the Stanley Cup. And in the NFL, you see the same thing. It's more so just basketball where, you know, the team that wins 60, 65 games is a huge championship favorite. Here, I think the Dodgers are still favorite, but maybe who knows? Uh, the Mets, the Astros, the Yankees, hopefully my Blue Jays can kind of sneak into the race here. Um as we enter into the last part of the season and to the postseason. But I lost my train of thought there. We're going back to the matchups. Eric Lauer and Julio Urias. It's actually a two-start week for Eric Lauer as well, where I think he'll be a pretty song, uh, song, a pretty strong two starts against the Dodgers and the Cubs. This is the risky one right here with Lauer. The only risk with him recently, I mean most of the year really, has been that he's walking way too many batters, and he's given up some home runs. Each of his last two starts, it was two home runs. Now, this is a second consecutive game that he'll be getting against the Dodgers, which is not fun for anybody. But last time out, yes, I said two home runs, but those are the only two earned runs he allowed. It was seven innings, four hits, three walks, and seven Ks. Personally, I'm starting Eric Lauer here in weekly settings because of the two starts. Daily changes, especially if you're in your first day of the playoffs today, I'm probably going to be sitting him down here. Uh, I tend to be a little more risk-averse. If you have the option to just sit him for this first one and then start him later in the week at Chicago, that might be the play here. Uh, especially two starts in a row against the same team. Risky business, man. Risky business. Um, yeah, that would be my advice. Weekly, you start him. Daily, you sit him uh, in a vacuum there. Julio Urias, who I still think is one of the more underrated pitchers in baseball. I think it's just because there's a lot of great stuff going on with the Dodgers. His numbers aren't always the most flashy but another year here where he's got a great ERA. He's won 13 games. It's 240 ERA, .98 whip, 123 strikeouts. Julio Urias is just phenomenal uh, over the last, really, the whole season, really. I mean, just looking back over here at his game log, there has been one, two, three games where he's allowed four earned runs or more. Three times. He has started 23. Uh, unbelievable value for Julio Urias. He's just exceptional. This is the best pitching matchup of the night here. Uh, if you're just looking through the other stuff we got going on, nothing to even really mention. If you're going to mention another one, it'd be Max Scherzer and Domingo Herman. But I don't even think that it's, I mean, maybe Scherzer makes up for, does Scherzer equal Lauer and Urias? Maybe he does. Honestly, it's possible that he does in terms of just enjoyment factor and talent. But I think if we're looking for the best matchup on both sides here. It's going to be the 10-10 Eastern time start between Lauer and Urias at Dodger Stadium. So guys, that will do it for us today. Appreciate you guys uh, checking us out, sticking with us here as the season winds down. Follow me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also follow Ethos Fantasy BB, which is where another place my articles and stuff go out from. But also as we ramp things up in the offseason and then again uh, into next season, we'll have more writers, more podcasters, more of all that stuff. And all of that will be shared out on Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. So go ahead and follow both of those pages. Leave a five-star review on the podcast if you have not done so already. That really helps us out here uh, to keep being seen by people as the season ends. So we'll see you again tomorrow, guys. Best of luck in your matchups. Cheers.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.